Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, please speak to us um, out of your word. Let it challenge us. Let it illuminate our paths. Uh, Let it bring refreshing to our lives and do more, Heavenly Father. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. 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 Let me preface what I'm about to say by saying that um, it's going to be a cursory look. Uh, what we plan, because it's impossible to teach about hearing God's voice in a sermon, and that's done. So what we plan is a couple of practical sessions. We'll tell you what day of the week. They'll be virtual. Um, A couple of practical sessions where we can really teach you to hear God's voice. Uh, This is the final part in our series, um, The Power of Communications. Um, And hearing God's voice is so critical that we are going to spend at least four or five evenings um, virtually and teach how you can hear God's voice. You see, if, if you don't hear God's voice for yourself, you open yourself to people who want to manipulate you and people who want to take advantage of you, people who want you to think that they, they, the, the, that they have a monopoly on God's voice. And that's not the God of the Bible. Um, if you don't hear God's voice, then... You make mistakes in life, um, you, you, and those mistakes can sometimes be extremely costly. I want you to know that the God we serve wants us to hear his voice. Um, God would definitely not be the loving father we say he is if he left us to fumble and stumble our way through life, taking wrong turns, stubbing our toes, falling into ditches, and worse, with all the attendant consequences. No, he is a loving father who wants to guide his children through life, who wants to enjoy a growing relationship in which they speak to him and he speaks to them. And and Jesus drives this home by the scripture in John, the 10th chapter and the 27th verse, where he says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them, and they follow me. There are two things that he sets out as characteristics of his sheep. He says they do two things. They hear my voice, and they follow me. It's not their Bible is the largest, that they attend church the most, that they, that, that they talk, um, they tell a lot of people about how fancy their church is, or they talk a lot about their pastor, or their vicar, or their overseer. No. He says, all those things don't qualify them. He says, what qualifies them as my sheep is that they hear my voice, uh, and they follow me. So, how does God speak? Now, these five things are not exhaustive, um, as you will find out, uh, but let's start with this foundational five. The first way God speaks is that he speaks through Jesus. Yeah? Everybody's saying, how do I hear God's voice? I hear God's voice as he speaks through Jesus. The Bible says in Hebrews, the first chapter, verses 1 and 2, God, 
who at various times, Hebrews 1, 1 and 2, and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. Everything God wants to say to us, he says to us through Jesus. The totality of what God wants us to know is wrapped in Jesus. I can't talk about God speaking to me if I don't start from this premise that God speaks through his son, Jesus. He is the eternal word. Like John says in John 1 verses 1 and 2, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning. The preeminent way that God speaks to his children is through Jesus. We cannot hear God as a part of our day-to-day lives without Jesus. So what does this mean practically? It means that an encounter with Jesus and a growing relationship with Jesus becomes the priority. Because Jesus is speaking. His character, his nature, his person is speaking. That is God speaking. Today we have people who have stronger relationships with their churches, stronger relationships with their pastors, their vicars, their bishops, their overseers, stronger relationships with their favorite men and women of God that they follow online on various prayer platforms than they have with Jesus. And that is the weakness of the church. That Jesus is preeminent. Don't talk more to me about your overseer or your bishop than you talk to me about Jesus. There's something that's wrong in that. You know, the early, the early Christians, they were Christians. And for a while, all they were known as, they were known as followers of Jesus. It was after a while that they started being called Christians. Acts 11 verse 26. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. They'd been following Jesus. But when people saw the characteristics of the people who followed Jesus, the people, not the the Christians, not the followers of Jesus, the people watching them, said, these must be Christians because they are following Jesus. Now today, we want to tell people that we are Christians. But they didn't have to tell anybody. The people just watched how they followed Jesus, diligently, committed, dedicated. Jesus was central to their life. They spoke about him. They shaped their lives around him. They acted like him. They responded to circumstances like he would. And they said, ah, because they respond like that, they are Christians because they follow Jesus. Maybe we need to ask ourselves whether we are following Jesus in a way that those around us 
We don't need to tell them we are Christians because of how we are following Jesus. We are followers of Jesus. And so we are Christians. And so how does that work out practically? Yeah, well, this is what we'll break, out, break, up, we'll break down in the practical sessions. How do, I, how do I hear God in Jesus? Listen to what Jesus says. John 5, verses 39 and 14, the Passion Translation. He says, you're busy analyzing scriptures, frantically poring over them in the hopes of gaining eternal life. Everything you read points to me, yet you still refuse to come to me so I can give you the life you're looking for, eternal life. What did Jesus say? The whole of this Bible is about Jesus. Genesis to Revelations is about Jesus. We have to see Jesus in the Bible from Genesis to Revelations. We've got to look at ourselves and say, am I really a follower of Jesus? We've got to read those Gospels so that Jesus comes alive. Frankly, We've got to fall in love with Jesus again. Can someone say amen to that? Amen. 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 Let's move on quickly. We'll break it down in the practical sessions. So God speaks through Jesus. Yeah? There, was a, there was a time there was a fad. How many remember that fad? What would Jesus do? How many remember that? Yeah? And we used to wear the, the um, armbands that said, what would you, WWJD? That, that's a good fad. Because that's really, you know, how do I respond to this situation? Have I heard God's voice? What would Jesus do? And God has spoken to me through Jesus. Number two, God speaks through his word, the Bible. Now, this is the interesting church we have. We run from pillar to post. What's that, what's it, that song? Kitty, kitty, kata, kata. What's that song? Yeah. yeah. Running from pillar to post, pillar to post. Looking for the latest man of God. I mean, family Christians today are a complete mess. Looking for the latest man of God. They say, this one, he speaks. When he speaks, fire is coming out of his mouth. Everybody rushes there. They say, this one, he prays. When he, you know, running all over the place like headless chickens. Being manipulated by wolves in sheep's clothing. Collecting all your money. And, and people are getting poorer. They don't teach principles. They don't draw you closer to Christ. They point to themselves rather than Christ. They elevate themselves above Christ. John the Baptist said, I decrease that Christ might increase. A lot of these characters say, I increase that Christ might decrease. And people are running all over the place. People will queue for six hours. I'm thinking, God, I, if you cannot meet me, I'm not going to queue for six hours. Because your, your Bible says, whosoever, whosoever. Whosoever. And the reason is because people don't want to pay the price. Do the work. It's a contractor mentality. Can I find a contractor who can hear God on my behalf? It says, my sheep hear my voice. Not my pastors hear my voice. Not my overseers hear my voice. Not my bishops alone hear my voice. My sheep Hear my voice. All of us together can hear God. It says in 2 Timothy 3 verse 16 and 17. It says every scripture has been inspired by the Holy Spirit. The breath of God. This is the Passion Translation. And what will it do? This scripture, this Bible. It will empower you by its instruction and correction. Giving you the strength to take the right direction. And lead you in 
deeper into the path of godliness, then you will be God's servant, fully mature and perfectly prepared to fulfill any assignment God gives you. It's the Bible. How does God speak through his Bible? Before you're looking for some dramatic way by which God speaks, take the Bible. He has already spoken you don't, we don't know what he has spoken. We are looking for what he will say. I mean, he's sitting there thinking, what is wrong with you? I spoke from Genesis to Revelations. You don't know any. The only one we know is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. And we don't even know the rest of it. And, go, and we go to God, speak, speak, speak. God say, I have spoken, spoken, spoken. Genesis to Revelations, Nahum, Habakkuk, and Habakkuk is not a cologne, somebody. It's a book in the Bible. Habakkuk, I've spoken. Leviticus, I spoke. Deuteronomy, I spoke. Joshua, I spoke. One Kings, I spoke. Two Samuel, I spoke. I spoke in Ephesians. I spoke, spoke, spoke. You haven't gone to where I spoke. You're running around for the latest prophet in town so that he can speak. It's the same Bible he's using to speak if he's speaking of God. And if he's not, it's a funny spirit that he's speaking. Take the Bible. The young man was about to face life. He had just been promoted to a position that he was asking, do I deserve it? How can I? Step into these big shoes. He went to God in prayer. I need some encouragement and an assurance that this journey I'm going on, leading these people who are, can be recalcitrant and stubborn, will, will achieve success. What did God say to him? Joshua 1 verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. God said to him, you want to know how it's going to be? You want to hear my voice? Then take this book, read it, meditate on it, speak it, and you will hear my voice. What does the psalmist say in Psalms 119 verse 105? Your word is a lamp to my feet. How do I find my way, God? Your word is a lamp to my feet. How do I get a glimpse of the future, God? The vi a vision for where you're taking me. And it is also a light to my path. Your word. So why do we struggle with the word of God? I'll tell you five reasons we struggle. Number one is attitude. And that attitude has been shaped by religion. Shall I tell you a simple thing that's going to, going to totally revolutionize your study of the Bible? Whenever you pick up the Bible to study, expect to hear God speak to you. Come with expectation as you pick it up that God is going to say something to me. And he is. He's already said it. You're just about to encounter it. So number one is come with expectation. Number two, ask for help. I mean, God has worked it out. I want you to understand me. That's what God says. So I'm going to write a book and tell you everything about myself. Everything. By the time you read this book, you will know me. 
He says, but I'm going to go one step further. The author of the book, I'm going to ask him to come and live inside you. So that as you read the book and you don't understand, the author that is living in you, the Holy Spirit, can bring revelation. So ask him before you start that come and help me to understand what God is saying to me. The third thing is to make time. It doesn't happen overnight. Time. It took you three years to get a degree, which incidentally most of us got and put on the shelf and are not using. But you spent three years getting a degree just to satisfy the world. How much time do you give to the reading of the word? The studying of the word. In the practical sessions, we'll teach you the tools that can help. The world is awash with tools. This is the greatest time to be a student of the Bible. In those days, I remember when we used to travel, you would have to have a separate bag. You remember? With uh, Strong's Concordance. And all, how many people remember, remember that Strong's was heavy? When you're checking in your luggage, you're praying that Strong's of two or three kilos will not pop you over the limit. Now, all you need is a, is, is a tablet or a phone. You have access to libraries. And we'll show you some of them. Some of the best concordances, best commentaries. I'll tell you the commentary I use. That really just brings the life alive. Historians that help you understand the context. That make the word exciting. Study. Does he not say study to show yourself approved? Meditate on it. And meditation is not Far Eastern meditation. Far Eastern meditation says empty yourself. The danger... Those of you who are practicing this thing, <laughs> I feel sorry for you. When you empty yourself, nature and the spiritual abhors a vacuum. Something has to fill the empty space. So our, our Christian meditation, and incidentally the word is not a Far Eastern religion word, it's a Christian word, meditation. That's what they told Joshua. Our Christian meditation you fill yourself. You don't empty yourself. You fill yourself with God, with the word, with his spirit. Meditate on it. The fourth thing is put the word in your mouth. Now, a lot of us think that's just confessions and declarations. No. Just even reciting the word to yourself in your hearing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. As you recite it to yourself, the word just sinks into your subconscious. Think of the amount of time that we spend on, on and, and this is the fifth thing. Deliver yourself from digital oppression. The amount of time we spend on those things, deliver yourself. Shut it down. Steal your mind. Focus on the word. Eat the word. That's what the prophet says. And then the last one, treat the word with respect. Treat it, love it, cherish it. Our brothers, um, Ishmael's, Ishmael's offspring, our brothers, they, 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 you can't mess about with, with their holy book. You can't. They're going to burn you. Deal with you. 
Now, I'm not advocating that. That's how our brothers choose to treat theirs. But there's, there's a, a lesson to learn in that, in that let's honor the word of God. Let's cherish it. Let's love it. The whole of Psalm 119, half of it is the psalm is telling us how he loves the word of God. Sweeter than honey. More precious than rubies, than gold. And by, by the way, practical thing for those of you in Jesus' house. Join the Bible study on Monday at 7 p.m. It's online. Just one hour. Number three, the still small voice. You know the story, 1 Kings 19. The man of God had had an amazing experience with God. God had come and answered by fire. He was on a high, but naturally, he was tired. And then, as tends to happen when you're tired, that's, that's, this is a sermon for another day, but protect your health. The enemy attacks the children of God most when they're tired physically. You're a sitting duck when you're tired physically. So this man was tired. Um, after the exertions on Mount Carmel, amazing, fire fell, prophets of Baal and, 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 and the other prophets all slaughtered. Everybody praising God. And then he gets a message from Jezebel. The message was simple. She said, so let the gods do to me and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. How many know that if he got that and he wasn't tired, what was he supposed to say? <laughs> bring it on. Jezebel, bring it on. In case you've forgotten Fire just roasted 450 of your guys. If you want to be roasted, bring it on. But he was tired. And so because he was tired, when he heard that, the Bible says that he started to run away from her. His servant got tired of running and stopped. He said, you can stop. That mad woman is going to kill me. I'm going to keep running. And he finally gets to a place where this great prophet becomes suicidal. He thinks, you know what? You know, I, I just want to die. I'm not so sure he was really suicidal. Because if he was suicidal, he shouldn't be running from Jezebel. He should have waited. She will kill him and make it easy. She will just kill him. So I, I think he was just kind of playing, you know, those kind of games that they play in Africa when people are fighting. So I, I will deal with you. Then you look around, hold me, hold me. I will box you, hold me. I think that's the kind of game he was playing. Anyway, he's, he sleeps on that, uh, on that uh, juniper juniper tree. The angel comes, feeds him. That's God's grace. Feeds him and feeds him. Gets him to rest. And then God wants to speak to him. And this is the part I love. Uh, verse 11. 1 Kings 19 verse 11. Then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. Now, this is what he expected. This is what he was used to. God answered him by fire. So God should come by fire. He was looking for the dramatic. He was looking for this, you know, what we think is just the supernatural. We forget that the supernatural does not have to be 
look like razzmatazz. You know, people don't feel God is there unless people are falling all over the place, falling on each other. Then they come out, they say, that, how was that meeting? They say, oh, God was there. But, but now, uh, Pierre is talking and, you know, he's just speaking to us. They are looking at his, his, his blazer. They are looking and they are looking at his shoe. And they are thinking, you oh, know, the man made us laugh. But, you know, they come out and it's not the God, you know, was God there. They say, ah, it was a good service. You know, the man spoke well. But because nobody's falling. Nobody's spitting on anybody. Nobody's doing somersaults. Nobody's running all over the place. Nobody's snaking around, swimming on the floor. So they say God was not there. That is the bane of the church. We are looking for the dramatic. It's not entertainment. You didn't come to church to say, ah, sister so-and-so, did you see her? She was just swimming like a, like a snake. <laughs> that's, what, that's what people like. Then you see the man of God, he just waved his hand. The whole choir just fell. Ah, power in that church, power. I mean, look at you're laughing at yourselves. <laughs> Isn't that how the church has become? I mean, look at, we, we're, we're comedy. 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 I take off my jacket. I remember the first time I saw Benny Hinn do it. He took off his jacket and he threw it. And the people who caught it all fell. So I prayed. (laughs) As a young Christian, this is 29 years ago. I prayed myself into a state. Nobody knew what I planned. When When I got on the stage, I preached up a storm. When I reached the point, I took off my jacket, I threw it. The people caught the jacket. Why is pastor throwing his jacket at us? And God, God said to me then, and then, oh Lord, may God deliver us from being copies. It got worse. How many, how, many, how many people know Bishop Noel Jones? How many know Bishop Noel Jones? Okay, he used to be one of the preachers I had, man. And when Noel Jones is preaching, you know, I, I don't know if you've heard him preach. He gasps, he draws his breath. So the Lord's going to, the Lord's going to, say, God is moving. So I wanted to be Noel Jones. <laughs> I got onto the stage. When I finished, my late wife, Ifi, when I sat down next to Ifi, Ifi said to me, I go, was everything okay with you? <laughs> be laughing at me, don't laugh at yourself. After that, I decided that I'm going to be Aguiruku. If you don't like it, find Overcomers Church and go to me. This is what you get. This is what you get. I'm not throwing my jacket anymore. I'm not inhaling breath like I'm going to faint. Nothing. This is what you get. Let's stop looking for God in the dramatic. Sometimes he's dramatic. And if he is, let him be. But don't look for it. People are wounded, their souls are pierced, they're manipulated because they are looking for it. And don't forget, the enemy copies. When, when Pharaoh, when these boys came and threw their rods down, Moses threw his rods down, it became a, a snake. <laughs> Pharaoh laughed. Have you watched the Prince of Egypt? The song changes there. You're playing with the big boys now. Because Pharaoh just said, Janice, Jambris. Those are the two names he called. He said, show this boy that these dark arts were the custodians. 
Janice and Jambres came and threw their own rods. It didn't become one snake. It became multiple snakes. I'm sure Moses said, yay, if he was Nigerian. I am done. Finish, finish. It's over. But you know, God will always be God. That one snake swallowed all the other snakes. In the end, we win. Can someone say amen? And so where did he hear God? In the still, small voice. The whisper. In the whisper, he heard God. My late wife passed away. Traumatic experience, as you can imagine. A hole was torn in our hearts. A vacuum was created in my life. Life of two young children. At an early stage, I knew I was going to remarry. Because I said to God, if you took her, because ultimately, God took her home. There's no Satan that has the power to take a life. Especially a life like hers that was dedicated to him. So she ran her race. I said, God, how am I going to get married? I took one person out just to see. It could be. I thought she was a nice girl. Before I got home, people were calling me to say, ah, you were out with so-and-so. I said, God, if I walk into a cinema in London with anybody, by the time the lights are down for the movie to start, it's, it's viral. So I said, God, what am I going to do? One day, I'm brushing my teeth. And I just hear that still small voice. By the way, this is who you are going to marry. So don't go on any dates. Don't go for breakfast. Don't look for anybody. Because this is who you are going to marry. The still small voice spoke to me. I knew it was God. But there was a challenge. She was very close to us as a, fam as a family. Closest auntie to the children. Mentee of my late wife. But the biggest challenge was I wasn't physically attracted to her. So I took a walk. I took a walk. I'll never forget. And in that walk, I was saying to God, I walked to Watford. That's another town. That's how far I walked. And I was saying, God, we have a problem here. I heard your still small voice. What can I do? But just for the records, I'm not physically attracted to her. A man who marries a wife that, at least at my level, I'm not super spiritual like that. You know, maybe, maybe the people who are big, big, big spiritual. For me, I need to be attracted to my wife. If not, as she's next to me, that's accident waiting to happen. And I'll never forget. Till today, when I drive by that place, I get goosebumps. The Lord stopped me and the Lord said to me, I can turn the hearts of kings like streams, whichever way I please. Your heart is not my problem. Your obedience is my problem. And I told God, I told God, this is a true story. I said, God, I'm going to be. I'm going to tell her that you said I should marry her. And that's exactly what happened. I said, you know, God has spoken to me. She thought I was going to tell her who I was going to marry. Her only prayer then, and she had been praying with my sister and with Abby. They'd been praying for me not to make a fool of myself. 
Her only prayer was that whoever I married would allow her access to the children because of her, her deep relationship with the children. So I told her it was her. I won't tell you the rest of the story. I won't tell you her reaction because she told me, Agu, you have told this my reaction so many times. Suffice it to say her reaction was dramatic in the negative. And so, so I told her. And guess what? God had told me the hearts of kings are in, my, in his hands. Say, leave your heart to me. What was God telling me? To make you fall in love is a simple thing. Five or six weeks later, my sister Chizo called me and said, Agu, you are a grown-up man. Why are you behaving like a 16-year-old? Every time she lies around you, you, you think nobody knows. Every time she lies around you, you are a mess. So she said, gather yourself. You're the pastor of the church. He had touched my heart as he said because I had obeyed him. Thank God, wife. Thank God that I heard that still small voice and I obeyed it. But of course, it, it, it requires practice. And this is what we're going to teach you in the, practical, in the practical sessions, how you practice. You remember the story of the 11-year-old boy whose mother had prayed for him because it would seem her womb had been shut. God answered and God gave her this, this, this this, this boy was destined for greatness. And the boy was giving back to God. And he was in some sort of apprenticeship, mentorship in the temple. And then one day, you know the story. One day he had a, a whisper. Samuel, Samuel. And he got up and ran to his mentor, Eli. I'm here. So Eli said, no, no, I didn't call you. Go back to sleep. He went back to sleep. He had another voice. Samuel, Samuel. It was a whisper. He got up again and rushed to Eli. Eli said, no, go and sleep, this young 11-year-old boy. What's wrong with you? Don't wake me up again. The third time, he hears it. He goes to Eli. Eli says, hang on a second. This could be God speaking to this boy. So Eli says to him, next time you hear, answer, Lord, here I am. And the fourth time, the voice comes. And the young boy answers. And guess what? God begins to tell him some amazing things about Eli, Eli's son, the nation. All that is contained in 1 Samuel 3 verses 1 to 14. But, but, but now compare that to what happens in 1 Samuel 16 verses 5 to 12. That's amazing. This guy who could not hear God by practice, by diligence, and there is diligence involved. It doesn't happen overnight. How did I know when God spoke to me and told me Shola was my wife? How did I know that it was God speaking? Because I was used to his voice. I knew how that still small voice sounds. And so this, this same guy who could not discern God's voice arrives for a consecration service. And when he gets to the consecration service, the enemy has gone to work and wants him to consecrate the wrong king. And so the enemy uses Jesse, the father of the boys, to parade the wrong, the wrong ones. And as, as the first one comes, looking like a king. And that's how we make a lot of mistakes in life. It looks good. Our senses tell us it's good. But our senses can guide us. We must hear that still small voice. We must be led by the Spirit. He's having a, a, an amazing conversation that nobody's aware of. The boy who could not hear God is talking with God. God, is this the one? God says, no, no, no. This is the problem with you, Samuel. You look on the outside. I look on the inside. Is this the one? Is this the one? Is this the one? Until eventually they find David 
and bring him in. Just see what the difference between a boy who couldn't hear and now a, a, a man who is in constant conversation with God. That can be you if you will commit yourself diligently to it. Amen? Number four, and I've got to rush this because we're running out, I've run out of time completely. Number four, God speaks through prophecy. Yeah? Don't, don't worry, we'll teach you about um, hearing God's voice. We'll teach you also about mistakes. It, let me just say this. When, you, when, you're, when you're sincerely trying to hear God's voice, God protects you so that mistakes are not calamitous. They don't really do any harm. Um, I don't know where's Doc. I don't know if Doc remembers. Then you remember when I heard God for Kilburn. I told them I heard God. I told the whole church I heard God. I, do you know why I heard God? I was on the plane heading to the Bahamas from Florida. You cannot be closer to God than I was. So I should have heard God. I was 30,000 miles or whatever in the air. I, I called as soon as I landed. I told them, put in a bid for that building. I've heard God. Guess what? We didn't get the building. So I came to the church and said, I thought I heard God. I didn't. We make mistakes. I don't know if it was a real mistake like that or if God allowed it. Because the prayers we prayed in that area, including, do some of you remember how we walked around and anointed every street? How many remember that? Every single, how many of you were there? Let's see your hands. We anointed every single street in the whole borough and we spoke a word of God reclaiming the land. We did that because we thought the building was our own. Now maybe God said, these people will not go and do this prayer walk of six hours except they think they are going there. So let him think he heard me so that they can do the prayer walk. And another, you know, another church got the, eventually got the building five years or six years later. But then we realized that there was a mini revival that was breaking out in the area. Churches were thriving. And I kept saying, I wonder if those are prayers had a part to play. So there'll be mistakes. But God is so merciful that the mistakes will not be calamitous. Amen? Let's go, let's go very quickly. I've run totally out of time. God speaks through prophecy. Yeah? What is prophecy? That's speaking a word that God has given. And the Bible is very clear about what prophecy is. Prophecy is not this madness that is going on. I see your mother, she's uh, wearing a red dress. And it, that, that, it, 90% of the time, familiar spirits trying to manipulate you. And the church is gullible. What does the Bible say prophecy is? Look at what the Bible says prophecy is. 1 Corinthians 14. This is real prophecy. 1 Corinthians 14. Is this making some sense to you? Okay. It says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Um, for, for he who speaks in the tongue, you can leave that. But he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. What does prophecy do? It edifies, it exhorts, and it comforts. If what you're telling me does not edify me, that means it doesn't encourage me, it doesn't build me up, and it doesn't comfort me, I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to check that thing. Because prophecy edifies, it builds up, it encourages, and it comforts. Now, I'll tell you a true life story. I went to change today. This is how prophecy works. And while I was changing, the Lord just dropped something on my heart for someone who I see is in church. I'm not even sure she has seen it yet. I sent it to her phone. And the Lord just said I should encourage her about a circumstance that she was going through in her family. 
And I sent the word of encouragement. That's prophecy. I've prophesied into her life. Now the challenge with this is that a lot of us think this prophecy is for the prophets. It is not for the prophets. There's a distinction between this kind of prophecy that Paul tells us we should pursue as a spiritual gift and the office and the ministry of a prophet. There is a distinction. This kind of prophecy, all of us are supposed to prophesy like this. Because as we do that, we are encouraging each other. We are supporting each other. We are comforting each other. And a lot of times, this kind of prophecy, God will speak it sometimes in pictures that you don't understand. But pass the message on. A friend of mine, Jumoke Adenowo, you all know her. A year, about a year ago, the Lord said to me, Step away from all these your responsibilities in the redeemed Christian Church of God and focus on Jesus' house. I didn't even know how much, how many titles or positions I had until I tried stepping away. I had titles, position, special assistant to the general overseer, chairman of the board of trustees, chairman of the executive council, uh, deputy continental overseer for Europe. My titles were many, many, many. Um, chairman of the regional board. I said, God, I should step away from all these things. He said, yes. I said, so what am I going to do? He said, when you step away, I will tell you. And then he told me that he didn't tell them the water was going to be wine before they moved. They moved, and then the water became wine. I said, it's okay. I'll step away. So, of course, I had a chat with the general overseer. I explained myself to him and told him I'm, I'm stepping away from. In our organization, nobody in the history of the organization, has done that. Af Black men and women, we love titles. We, we are addicted to titles. So much so that now, nobody knows what to do with me. Because I'm not a zonal pastor. I'm not an area pastor. I'm not a regional pastor. I'm not the chairman. I'm, not, I'm nothing. Just the pastor of one Jesus house. So I'm, I'm, I'm confused. When I walk into meetings now, they don't know where to sit me. Do they sit him here? Do they sit him here? Do they sit him here? Because no title. Everything is by title. They write your title on the thing. And when God said that, it was a tall order for me. I said, God, really? He said, yes. I said, nobody's going to understand it. And then I, I get a call from Jumoke. And Jumoke says to me, P.I. She calls me P.I. I said, P.I., I don't know what this means, but I saw a rocket going up. And the rocket was struggling. But as it jettisoned some of the, the, the launchers, whatever it is that the rockets carry, it suddenly gathered speed and moved. And I knew it was you, but it makes no sense to me. I said, Jumoke, it makes a lot of sense to me. Thank you for the prophecy. That's how prophecy works. And the Bible says all of us prophesy. So you prophesy. God lays something on your heart. Tell the person. You don't know what they are going through. Tell them. You have no idea what they are going through. 
I'll tell you a true story I picked up from Pete Gregg. I must end now. I must end. Oh, Lord. Okay, I'll, I'll do this in two minutes. I'll tell you a true story I picked up from Pete Gregg. Pete Gregg is a great man of God. Um, and he, ha- he, he has a book called How to Hear God. He tells a story of how a guy was given a word for another person. True story. I think it was even him. That this person needs joy. And the person he was going to was quite a serious type of guy. That you need joy. Joy. So they went out. And he sat down and struggled. And after a while he just said it. He said, you need joy. You need joy. The guy was like, you what? You need joy. The guy was like, this is crazy. He says, I was on a Christian dating site. Met a girl called Joy. <laughs> it's a true story. True story. And now, out of the blue, you're telling me. He thought he was saying to him, you need the joy of the Lord. But the guy was contemplating, do I, do I take this further with this joy? Guess what? Him and that joy are married, two children, and on frontline ministry. You don't know. You don't know what it means. Prophesy. That's what prophecy is. And that's distinct from the office of the prophet, which is one of the five-fold ministries, the office of the prophet. That's a totally different thing. We'll break it down in the other sessions. Lastly, God speaks through creation. Let me end here. When you live in an urban world, you don't understand this, <laughs> speaking through creation. This whole God of God's creation, it speaks about him. The psalmist says in Psalms 19, verses 1 to 4, The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line goes out throughout all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tabernacle for the sun. The psalmist says, these skies are speaking to me. These stars are speaking to me. They are speaking in a language that everybody can understand, irrespective of your culture or your ethnic group. They are telling me, the psalmist was saying, I hear their voice. They are telling me how awesome and amazing God is. Creation speaks. You, you need to sometimes slow down and let creation speak to you. You know what the wise king said? He said in Proverbs 6, verses 6 to 8, when his, his officials, they were lazy, they didn't understand anything. He said, go to the ant, you sluggard. It will speak to you. That's what that verse is about. Go to the ant and you sit down there and watch ants and open your ears, as they say, you know, in Africa, they say, open your ears. The ants will speak to you. Amen? And we can, go, we can talk a lot about dreams and visions and circumstances and leadings, but we'll do that in the practical sessions. Were you blessed by this? It's cursory. It's the beginning. Uh, and will you look forward to the practical sessions? We are going to teach hands-on. You, this must be a church where everybody hears God. Let's all hear God so that nobody's manipulated. Can someone say amen to that? Amen. amen. Father, we thank you and we bless you. We glorify your name. With all heads bowed, if anybody doesn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that's the start of hearing from God. If you would slip your hands up if you're in here in person. 
Anybody here? Hallelujah. Father, we thank you and we bless you. Amen and amen. And so, Father, help us on this journey to hear your voice. In Jesus' name. And we say together, amen. Go on, give God a clap offering. Go on. Give God a clap offering.